Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes. Well, thank you, Billy, and welcome to yet another edition of The Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes, and with us today, very happy to have the Executive Director of the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center, Brent Bushy. Wanted to talk about back to school. Is it a new normal? Is it going to be the same as it's always been? Well, probably not. And Brent Bushy's group is helping over 200 school districts across the state of Oklahoma, many of them in our rural areas of the state, cope and excel during this very uncertain time. Brent Bushy joins us here in just a few moments. Today's Road to Rural Prosperity being powered by the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma. The Alliance is the voice of Oklahoma oil and natural gas in the state, working to advance all aspects of the state's largest industry. And we're back with Brent Bushy of the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center in just a few moments. The Petroleum Alliance represents every segment of the oil and natural gas industry, speaking with one voice when advocating for the interest of its members, landowner partners, and employees. Our mission is to enhance Oklahoma's economy and every segment of the energy industry. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. Thanks for being along with us. Ron Hayes with you today on the Road to Rural Prosperity. Our guest today, very pleased to have along with us, Brent Bushy, Executive Director of the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center. And Brent, uh, for folks that maybe don't know a lot about your particular organization, your your uh, your group, tell us a little bit about the Resource Center. Sure, thanks for having, thanks for thanks for having me on today. Uh, the the Resource Center is a nonprofit organization, and uh, we're a you know, we're a membership organization, so schools in the state can cho- choose to join. We serve just over uh, about 230 school districts across the state. And um, when they join, I'd like to say it's an all-you-can-eat buffet model, um, one-size-fits-all. So we have five directors in finance, legal, technology, communications, and teaching and learning. And in those five areas, schools can call for consulting support. So, um, you know, uh, I need to have a legal question. I need help with a budget. Um, we're having network computer problems. Um, they can also get professional development. And we spend, you know, like you'd expect with schools, most of the time doing professional development with teachers because that's the majority of their staff. We also do back office professional development for the, the, the superintendents, the encumbrance clerks, the treasurers, folks like that. Um, and then what we're really aiming to do is to help schools you know, look at their act. First, first we want to kind of clear the, the, the runway of all the nitpicky bureaucratic stuff that, that you know, we've got to do when we're in, in public government. Um, and so kind of let's, let's clear that stuff out of the way and let's help them save as much money as possible. Um, because they, for all of these supports, they pay $2,500 a year. That's it. And then what we really want to be able to turn our attention to over time is how can we 
look at the academic performance of the school? How can we help them improve? Can we identify strategies? Can we, you know, can we identify something that's working at one school? Can we help replicate that in other schools? So it's a it's a challenging job, but a heck of a lot of fun. Brent, we are at the beginnings of a brand new school year, and as the schools uh, ramp up uh, their their fall of 2020, they they've had to make some hard decisions, and even you know that obviously includes even how they're going to have school this year in person, virtual, some combination of both. Yeah, you know, I, I read a cartoon this morning that two people were talking that, and they said, "How's your day going?" They said, "It's a bit of a 2020." <laughs> That may be a phrase in the future of how we describe where we are right now. Um, it's schools are in a tough spot. You know, the the decisions that they're faced with right now are ones that no one was trained for or thought of. Um, and I sure as heck don't envy anybody that's got to make the decision. Um, you know, the options in front of them are try and come back like like normal. And if you do that, you run the risk of getting your kids or your students or your staff or both sick. Um, it's try and move to a, a virtual option, which a lot of schools have understandably done. Um, um, but in that, you know, that's a whole different world. We know a lot of students don't have good learning environments at home. We know that imposes burdens on families that they weren't prepared for. Um, and it takes teachers away from kids, which is really tough. You know, teachers went into to, to teaching because they like being around students. Um, and then their third option is some combination thereof, which is extremely complicated. It's not a it's not a fun decision to make. Um, and you know, some schools have you know they're, they're making different different choices. We're we're just trying to help folks think through as best as possible those those difficult decisions they face. I guess uh, all the the entire educational world uh, across uh, all of America, really, uh, not just Oklahoma, but all of America, really changed what back uh, mid uh, mid March or so, and for the balance of of last school year, and, and then obviously we're we're having to continue to grapple with all this uh, in the new school year. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Thunder game changed everything, right? They canceled the Thunder game, and the whole world changed the next day. <laughs> so. That's how I that's how I think of the start of the shutdown. But yeah, it's uh, you know so it's a, clearly we learned a lot in that first phase of shutdown when we were most schools in Oklahoma were on spring break when that happened, and uh, then they just didn't open up. We didn't you know remember what a weird time that was of you know what do we do? Um, how do we how do we handle this? Now you know as as uh, all that was happening as the schools were uh, were dealing with all of that did did what you what you know your your resource center did did you have to make some i guess some ju- adjustments on the fly to try to help them we immediately flipped you know zoom became a noun a verb and an adjective i think overnight um so we moved uh, most of our professional development we had a lot of content already online in the learning management system one of the things that we had previously done this, we realized there's a tremendous bureaucratic burden on schools. Every teacher every year has to take somewhere around nine or ten courses now. The well-meaning people keep on adding things. Um, Good intentions don't always lead to good outcomes. Um, My favorite is every year a teacher in the state has to take a course on bloodborne pathogens, which is a fancy way of saying if a child is bleeding or has a bloody nose, put on gloves. Um, They have to take a certificate on that. So we've moved that online. That's one of nine courses that every teacher every year has to complete, and they can do that online in their own time now um, through our model. So a lot of that stuff we had already moved online, but all of our professional development we moved 
um, to Zoom, um, which was a challenge for us. Um, just to how do you how do you convey information in this different manner? Um, spent a lot of time um, training folks on different tools. Google Classroom has, has become extraordinarily popular. It's a learning management system that's free for schools to use. Um, Canvas is another tool, Seesaw. And so our team has spun that up. We spent a lot of time working with schools. Some teachers are really comfortable with those tools, and you know, some teachers uh, have never have never contemplated this before. And it, what's weird is, you know, a lot of our senior teachers who are fantastic classroom educators this is a whole new world. You know, I mean, this is like, you know, trying to teach someone a whole new skill set. And so that's, that's what we spent a lot of time on and doing that in a virtual environment primarily. Maybe for the, for the general public, because obviously a lot of the parents have had to get up to speed on all this as well, but for, for yeah. the rest of us don't have kids in school age, you know, at this point, tell, talk, you know, talk to us about these virtual platforms. How are they, how are they helping our schools survive? These have been around for for a little bit, and I, I mean, I like to. I'm a, I'm a, an internal optimist. If I can't get up and I can't find a silver lining, then I go back to bed. Um, and so the, the the optimist in me says, these are tools we probably should have been using beforehand, um, and and now we're sort of forced. Um, but they're 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 a combination. The the, the tools are a combination, and, and they're there's not a one size fits all. But but in generally, when I say when I use the word learning management system, what that connotes or what that involves is first it's a system where all students can log in students and and, and typically or in the best case scenario parents as well and you can log in and you can see all of the projected work for the students so here in college we call it the syllabus um, so here's the here's the syllabus for the semester here are the the activities that are planned and you know it doesn't have to be fully fleshed out but you know at least you can see you know the next day or the next week or the next month um, and you can also see backdated what what is the student completed so that's the first thing is in, in many ways it's an online grade book then it's also it can be the the, the the platform can also deliver that content so think about embedded videos right that are, that are stored within the learning management system or it can be a connection to other other platforms so um and, and when i say platforms that's maybe just a fancy word for what we call textbooks <laughs> you know so um but now they're this is rich um, uh, information. So it's not just text, it's video, it's um, online quizzes. Um, and why I think we, even in an in-person setting, we should be using learning management systems is first, it allows for a lot more transparency so parents can track the work of the child and, you know, can see here's what my child is doing, here's where they're doing well, here's where they're not doing well. Why didn't you turn in this assessment? You know, and we we avoid that. Well, I gave it to the teacher. I'm like, no, you didn't. It's right here. <laughs> it says you didn't. Um, so so one, it offers better transparency for the parent. It also, though, you know, if you think back to your classroom experiences as a student, remember those days when you finished early and you were bored. Well, if you're working in a learning management system, we can offer additional enrichment activities for kids that are ahead. We can also offer additional uh, activities for students that are struggling, right? And and various tools will give the teacher, if, if they use them, there's a huge learning curve. It's getting used to this and identifying the right tools. But if you can find the right tools um, for your practices, then you can also identify, okay, this student is struggling with this particular concept. And so what in an ideal world, this allows us to happen. Is a, is a teacher can then say, okay, I need to I need to focus on these students in these areas. These students have mastered these concepts; they can move forward. And so, so in an, in an idealized world, you get a much more personalized form of education. But you know, right now we've been forced to go to that because that's the primary way of how kids do this turning work 
Um, when we don't have those tools, then what we revert back to are, you know, ditto packets, work, worksheet packets. Um, and, you know, when you have to do it, that's what you do. But you know, that is not an ideal world. Obviously, things have changed all because of uh, the coronavirus uh, pandemic. And uh, we're talking today with Brent Bushy, Executive Director of the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center, about uh, how his organization, his his group, is able to help over 200 uh, Oklahoma school systems survive some of the uh, the craziness of, uh, of uh, coronavirus. Uh, we're back with Brent uh, Moore here on the Road to Rural Prosperity in just a few moments. The Petroleum Alliance represents every segment of the oil and natural gas industry, speaking with one voice when advocating for the interest of its members, landowner partners, and employees. Our mission is to enhance Oklahoma's economy and every segment of the energy industry. Headquartered in Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center envisions a quality public education for every child in Oklahoma, and their mission is to drive transformation and increased academic achievement within Oklahoma's public education system. The Resource Center is a nonprofit organization that provides essential resources, professional development, and technical assistance to the state's public schools. They advocate for high-quality instruction for all Oklahoma students and support increasing classroom innovation to provide them a challenging, globally competitive education. Brent Bushy with us today. He's the executive director of the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center on the road to rural prosperity. And Brent, you know, our our podcast does kind of focus on the rural areas of our state. You've got a lot of your districts that are in so, some of our smaller communities, don't you? Yes, we do. Yeah. The majority of our schools, we, we, we work with some of the schools in the metro areas of Tulsa and Oklahoma City. Um, a lot of those schools are charter schools. Um, so we work with those in the, in the urban and suburban areas. Um, but the vast majority, well over, um, uh, I think right at about 200 of our school districts are, are the rural districts across the state. I moved to Oklahoma six years ago um, to help uh, start the resource center. And, um, you know, some people say, well, you know, you know how, how well you get to know the state. And it's not often anymore that someone can name a town that I haven't driven through. <laughs> and so you know, I've gotten to, to experience the, you know, the tiny little towns. I, I had not heard the name Quapaw before. Um, and that came up uh, last week or actually earlier this week. Um, so I had to look that one up, but, but not very often do I find a school or a school district um, that, that, that I haven't been in. Are, you know, as, as you work with these, uh, these smaller districts, I guess they, they really are using a lot of the, the menu of services that you have, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, you know, if you think of, uh, you know, a lot of our rural, our small rural districts, you know, a typical resume for the, for a superintendent is they're the superintendent, they're the principal. Um, I'm thinking of one person in particular who also teaches trig, um, he's a football coach and he drives a bus one day a week. Um, and that's not an uncommon resume, um, for a superintendent. A lot of times they're the lawnmower, the maintenance guy, you know, I'll get a call from the superintendent. Sorry, I, I know I was supposed to call you, but we had a backed up toilet I had to go fix. So, um, so for those schools, our resource center where we have, um, uh, you know, experts, we have, we have former superintendents that are experts in, in finance. Um, we have a lawyer that's worked in school law for 20 years. So we, we can bring that depth of experience that a, that a small school just necessarily isn't going to, going to be able to have at their, at their campus. I know that uh, we, we, we love to talk about, or we don't love to talk about it, but we talk a lot about the new normal uh, in all areas of our life, including in education. How, how is that, in other words, how, how is that changing your thought process 
about how you can best serve these school districts? One of the things, again, I, I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm an optimist. So, so one of the challenges in school, in changing things at school, is we all went to school, so we're all experts, right? And we have, generally speaking, a shared experience, right? Like my math class looked like probably your math class did. And, and, and so I have an idea of what my math class for my daughters should look like. Um, and I think most people have that. Um, and so as, you know, the last, oh, I don't know, at least, at least 10 years, if not 20 years, as, as technology has emerged, as opportunities to change have emerged, it's difficult to change what schools look like because we know what it should look like because, you know, it, it just feels that's, you know, change is difficult. They always say it. And I think in, in education, it's particularly difficult because of that shared experience. And so the, uh, another potential silver lining of this whole pandemic is we've been forced to try different things. We've been forced to use technology in ways that we could have done before, but we, you know, we didn't necessarily have to, we've been forced to consider different delivery models. Um, and so I'm hopeful that, you know, the adoption of technology, the, the personalization of education that's possible, um, that, you know, when we emerge from this, hopefully soon, um, but when we emerge from this pandemic, that, that we've planted seeds for new ideas that can continue to flourish. And, and even though we'll be back primarily in person in schools, we can still, you know, leverage the, the different technologies. A perfect example is the, the governor announced the, the called Learn Anywhere Oklahoma initiative earlier this week. Um, which is offering access to online content, um, primarily right now through a company called Edmentum. And one of the goals there is in a lot of our rural schools, it's difficult to, to access advanced coursework um, because if you don't have enough students to teach AP chemistry, you, you can't teach, you can't have a teacher dedicated to that or a lot of foreign languages. Um, so you know, I'm thinking primarily at the secondary level, a lot of that advanced coursework um, it's just not available um, in most of our traditional school districts. Um, and so through Learn Anywhere, schools can purchase courses where they pay for the content. They've got an allocation of money to the governor's office, get an allocation of money, and that can be used to say, okay, this student wants to take a foreign language. It could be Spanish. It might be Chinese. Um, it might be American Sign Language. Um, it could take an advanced placement course. Um, and, and none of these courses would be available most of our rural school districts just simply because of scale in the traditional format, but through technology, we can do that. And so I'm hopeful that this plants the seed that when we come back in, that, you know, more courses would be available. Um, again, it'd be different, right? It won't be in the traditional setting. And I guess what uh, we're, we're talking about uh, in these smaller uh, school districts, maybe just one, two, or three kids might be the ones that you would, uh, you would, uh, pinpoint or earmark for that uh, that particular uh, AP work? Sure. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and who knows, right? Like, I mean, maybe there'll be more when it's an option that's available, right? Like once, you know, so, but maybe you only start with one or two kids that are interested in that or, or frankly, even prepared to do that work. Um, but, you know, maybe that, that then resets the, resets the bar, resets the expectation. You know, I know growing up, if I saw a kid do something that was older than me, um, I sure as heck wasn't going to let them be better than me. And I think that's how, how most of us are. I know that, uh, you know, there's a lot of folks out there right now that are, are very concerned uh, about how, how our uh, schools successfully recover from, uh, from all this uh, stuff going on with, uh, with the coronavirus. 
what you know is, is you know are are there some game plans you're seeing emerge that will really help us uh, bounce back and and get really back up to full speed here uh, as uh, the uh, disease issues allow us to do so. Yeah, I mean, I, this is where I want to be cautious. I think we've got to be prepared for a rough and tumble school year. Um, I'm a sports fanatic. Um, I'm, I'm originally from Michigan, so the Detroit Tigers are my team. Um, and, uh, you know, they're not playing this week because they were scheduled to play against the St. Louis Cardinals who've had an outbreak of, of uh, the coronavirus, and so they can't play. Um, and I I think we're going to see something somewhere like that um, for our schools. Or, you know, I think schools, some, some will open up. Um, maybe with limited enrollment, they're going to do as best they can to space out and protect kids um, to keep the, the, the virus from, from being transmitted. Um, but kids are kids, right? <laughs> like, um, and I don't know that, you know, there's a big question about how many kids will actually get sick. Um, but if they start taking it home and getting their parents and grandparents sick in, in communities, I think we will, I think we should be prepared for, for school districts having to shut down for two, three weeks. Um, and allow the, you know, the people to get healthy again. Um, and that's scary. That's, you know, we know that, that not everyone gets really sick, but, you know, obviously lots of people have died from this or have had serious health issues. Um, so that's, that, that, that concerns me. And, um, I think we have to be prepared for kind of a roller coaster through the school year. Um, and, you know, teachers and, and administrators are rightfully worried and concerned about that. So a lot of a lot of things going on outside of that classroom learning setting. Uh, you know, uh, I think you call it kind of that back that uh, that backstage or that back uh, back room type uh, conversation. Boy, that there's going to be a lot of a uh, lot of decisions that have to be made this year, right? Yeah, and you know the you know administrators were not trained in this. They're not health professionals, <laughs> um, and you know I, you know I've had. You know, the one of my job in some ways is to be, I wouldn't put it this directly, but you know, I get, I get superintendents calling and saying, you know, just I need, I need someone where I can just complain to, right? Cause I can't complain to my staff. I can't complain to my board. Um, but you know, these are hard decisions and I don't know what to do. And, and, you know, I think my job sometimes is just to listen, um, and, uh, then offer the, the, the best advice that I can. But these are, you know, we're given extraordinarily difficult situations. We have imperfect solutions. Um, and so there's just hard challenges and oh yeah, there's angry people, right? Like there are people on each side that, that, that get really upset, um, because it, uh, understandably the, the coronavirus has affected people's jobs and lives. And when we mess with school, that messes with their lives more. Um, so the, the job of an administrator has really never been that much fun. And, and right now I'd, I'd say it's, it's particularly challenging. Finally, Brent, uh, as, as you look to the future, uh, you know, as we get past, uh, this uh, this pandemic, this uh, this COVID nineteen that uh, is is continuing to uh, to give all these challenges that you've just talked about. You know what what kind of uh, I guess vision do you have as you work with these school districts? What what's uh, what's the upside that uh, we need to be striving for? Yeah, I mean we've talked about the the Learn Anywhere the Oklahoma Initiative and the the ability to offer the advanced coursework. We've talked about the learning management systems and, and and integration of technology inside the classrooms. Um, I think related to that is just the general mindset of challenging how we've done schooling. Right, um, I think it's fair to say that most traditional school classrooms, if you went into them before spring break. And you could go into a portal 50 years earlier. 
Um, I mean, there's changes, right? There's, there's, it's not fair to say that they're exactly the same, but a lot of it's similar. Um, uh, and so, you know, I, I would hope that we use this as an opportunity to, to question everything. At the Resource Center, we've started what we call um, the R2R initiative, which stands for Recovery to Reinvention. Yeah. We've got about 10 of our member schools that have volunteered to, as we're going into returning to learning this fall, also challenging the existing design of the schools. And, and we're, we're looking at everything under the sun. So how many students in classrooms? Should students, you know, be in the traditional format? Um, and really trying to rethink all of those aspects. And so I don't know where that leads. I, I, you know, I'd be lying if I told you this is what I hope it leads to. All I hope it leads to is, is, is a challenging of our existing assumptions um, and then potentially come up with, with, with better solutions that, that are able to, to help all students succeed. Brent Bushy joining us today. He's the executive director of the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center. Brent, thank you for your time today, and uh, best of luck to you as you, you deal with these all these uh, over 200 school districts around the state, uh, helping them uh, cope here as we get into uh, the fall learning season for 2020. I'm Ron Hayes on the Road to Rural Prosperity. We'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook. And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, RuralProsperityOK.com. The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and OklahomaFarmReport.com. Proud to be a part of the family of the funk companies. <laughs>